talking crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mimet and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everybody, WABC listeners. Welcome to another episode of Cop Talk. This is retired New York City Police Department Captain Ed Mamet, co-host of the show. I'm filling in for our host, Kevin Schroeder, retired detective, first grade, New York City Police Department, who's out on another one of his special assignments. And um, I'm here with our producer, Joe Diamond, who will fill in for Kevin. And today's guest is a very interesting fellow who, who's a father I had the um, pleasure of working with many, many years ago. Um, his father was a, a agent in the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, and we go back many, many years. And his son is uh, Derek Maltz. Derek Maltz is uh, a former chief of the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force, which is the oldest and largest drug task force in the United States. He's also the former special agent in charge of the Department of Justice's Multi-Agency Special Operations Division, or SOD, for almost 10 years. Um, Derek's work with the SOD led to the capture of uh, the infamous El Chapo Guzman. Derek is now the executive director of a government relations firm called LE Technology Firm. Did I pronounce it right, Eric? No, it's okay. It's Penlink LTD. Thank you, Ed. Okay. So, um, Derek, uh, tell us about it. Where did you grow up? I grew up on Long Island and became an agent. My father was a DEA agent, like you said. You worked with him back in the 70s. And uh, I currently live in Northern Virginia. Okay. Your father rose to a very high position, as I recall. He, uh, he became the head of the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force with DEA, NYPD, and the state police. I later took that job, too, when I uh, got promoted into the senior executive ranks of DEA. So you followed in your father's footsteps. Uh, what inspired you to become a law enforcement officer? Can you give us a career overview? I had no choice. The old man pushed me into the field. He loved the DEA. I spent 28 years in DEA. I also loved every day. I rose to the ranks of the head of the DEA Special Operations Division in Washington, when I got there, there were nine agencies. When I left, there were 30 agencies, uh, including three countries, Australia, the Brits, and Canada, and also brought in the NYPD. So we had a synchronization center to go after transnational criminals around the globe. So, Derek, um, you're very active. Actually, you're one of the leaders of a, a very uh, active education group, Border911.com, which is very timely. You know, the, the work you guys are doing is very timely and very important. Tell us about Border911's mission. Okay, so let me back up. When I left the DEA, I wanted to give back, and I started working with nonprofits around the country that have lost their loved ones to deadly fentanyl that's poisoning our kids at historic levels in America. And then I recently joined Border911.com, which is a group of former, mostly former Homeland Security executives and two news correspondents. Uh, we go out and we educate America on the facts of what's happening on the border. We've never seen a crisis like this. We've never seen a poisoning crisis like we see now. And unfortunately, the public uh, is not getting this great news. And they're also uh, not connecting the dots how, how tragic this is for everyone in America. Well, you've been one of the most prominent voices warning people about the fentanyl crisis. Well, give us an update. Where, where are things at now as we close out the year? 
So number one, I'm not a pessimist. I'm very optimistic, but we're in the worst situation we've ever been. China started a chemical bombing on America around 2008 with K2 spice, bath salts. Then they went to fentanyl in 2012. They continue to sell fentanyl on the uh, on the web, and they were sending it directly to the U.S. Then they started turning over the business to the cartels. They're providing all the chemicals for the cartels to make the fentanyl. They're also doing the money laundering services. But now here's the problem. The problem is through the open border, there's mass amounts of Chinese nationals coming into America. They're setting up marijuana grow operations all over the country. It's a huge national security threat. But also the Chinese have started to send xylazine, which is a horse tranquilizer, also known as trank. It's causing people to rot from the inside and out. It's causing necrosis. It's causing amputations. It's causing skin ulcerations. They're also sending more powerful opioids like nitazine, etonitazine, isonitazine from these labs in China. But in America, we're not putting it together. And it's really sad because everyone's being affected. And is this uh, is this coming from the highest levels of the Chinese government? Is this coming from the CCP? Like, what's going on here? Question. I mean, as you know, the CCP has an unrestricted warfare. They want to destroy their adversaries. They want to destabilize their their you know the competitors. And U.S. has been a huge competitor around the world. So we don't have proof beyond a reasonable doubt. But when you talk to the experts, everyone feels that the Chinese Communist Party are using their operatives to actually uh, poison Americans, destroy our future generation, and also destabilize our country with these poisonous substances. This is not a drug overdose, by the way. This is deliberate poisoning of American citizens. Our military's dying at record levels. Young kids are dying at record levels. And so this is something that's very strategic. And it's sad that America, one of the best countries, if not the best country in the world, is not dealing with this. Because right now the White House is asleep. They're not dealing with this threat. But here's the sad part, Joe and yeah. Ed. Ray has said many times that China is the most dangerous and, you know, national security threat we're facing in America. But yet at the border, for an example, two years ago, there were 342 Chinese nationals apprehended illegal at the border. This past year, 2023, there were over 24,000. It's a 7,000 percent increase because they're coming here for a reason. And by the way, Joe... There's 1.8 million gotaways in our country. We don't even know who they are. We don't know how many Chinese nationals that were sent deliberately by the CCP or Iranians or, or, you know, ISIS operatives coming here through the gotaways. So the country's under attack. We're being uh, invaded. There's like 180 countries now represented. I mean, New York City is an absolute disaster. Watching some of the video uh, stories that you, you see on social media with these migrants all over the place. It's disgusting, and it's a huge threat to our country. Well, they're not migrants. They're illegals. <laughs> exactly. They're not, they're not poor migrants either. Many of them are. They're coming here to get a better job. But hey, here's the issue, okay? Because of my team working with Border 911, these guys under President Trump, they created the safe border. They kept being in Mexico. They, they created, you know, end, they ended catch and release. Those are the two biggest things. When they come here... 85, 90%, 95% of these asylum claims are all fraudulent. They never get accepted. They never go to court, most of them. And it's, it's a joke, and they're taking total advantage of us. Besides the financial burden, okay, these illegals are all over the country, impacting cities, not just New York, but everywhere. And so the citizens just should be outraged, but they're not really getting the proper news. And, you know, we all have big hearts, right? We all want people to 
live a good life, but we have our own Americans here that are sleeping on the streets. Stable vets that can't get housing. You know, Derek, getting back to fentanyl, <clears throat> for the uh, for our audience, fentanyl has a, a legitimate medicinal use. I can recall at one time um, I had a kidney stone attack, which is very, very extremely painful. And that was the first time I was administered uh, uh, fentanyl. And, man, let me tell you, the pain disappeared instantly. So the audience should know that fentanyl is a le- legitimate drug. Now, how is it being used illegitimately? How, how is it um, so, injected? Great, great question. Hey, that's a great question, and it's my apologies for not explaining it, but we're talking about illicit fentanyl. We're not talking about the fentanyl that you get in the hospital in an IV drip or a patch that's really, really uh, great for pain, and it's a tremendous drug. You're right, but that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about a fentanyl that's made in uh, clandestine laboratories in Mexico right now, and the Mexican cartels are dominating the production of this illicit substance. It's not really fentanyl. It comes back as fentanyl, but it's poisonous chemicals that are coming out of China. If you look, for example, in 2023, the DEA seized already this year about 68 million of these fake pills. And these fake pills look like, you know, Mexican. They look like OxyContin 30 pills, the blue pills, but they're really fentanyl. And they're not even, I wouldn't even call them counterfeit pills, they're fake pills. But the stuff that Mexicans are producing, according to the DEA, 7 out of 10 of the pills that they analyze have a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. You only need 2 milligrams of this substance to kill. So it's, it's basically, it's illicit fentanyl that we're talking about. And it all came out of China. And it started around 2012. And then they shifted so the cartels can make this stuff right in Mexico. And now the cartels, as far as I'm concerned, are being used as a proxy to destroy American families and communities. And the Chinese are behind it. Their fingerprints are on it. And they're doing the money laundering now for the cartels. So they're picking up the money. They're buying houses in America. They're buying property. They're buying land. They're setting up uh, counterintelligence operations with the cash they're getting from drug cartels. The, the fentanyl that we're talking about, when it's used in a hospital setting, um, the, compared to the fentanyl you're talking about, are the ingredients the same or they're totally different? First of all, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a chemist, but I can tell you there's no uh, fentanyl coming from Mexico that's going into our hospitals and doctor's offices to use for the patients. We're talking about stuff that's on the streets. We're talking about stuff that's being sold on the social media. That's why we're seeing 13-year-olds dying in their houses at night because they're actually thinking they're buying OxyContin or Adderall or Percocet or Xanax or something like that. And it's actually fake pills that are killing them instantly. And parents are outraged around the country. I deal with thousands of parents throughout the country. There's nonprofits popping up everywhere. And, and the saddest part, Ed, is that most of these parents I talk to, they always say the same thing. They had no idea what fentanyl was. They never heard of it. And shame on this White House and the Department of Education and CDC and our government. I mean, law enforcement is doing great work. They're seizing records amounts like last year at the border. CBP, Customs of Border Protection, seized 27,000 pounds of fentanyl. Okay, and so basically the the law enforcement throughout the country is making massive seizures. Look at New York City. Not too long ago, one year old goes to the daycare center and he dies from fentanyl poisoning. And his and his parents dropped him off there for daycare, not to die. And And the savages that were running this daycare center, they actually kept the fentanyl on the mats 
And then we eventually got the guy. He escaped and he went to Mexico. We grabbed him in Sinaloa, Mexico, working a cooperative effort. But this is what's going on. We're losing kids that don't have substance use disorder. We're losing kids that are first time users or inadvertently come into, uh, you know, somebody's fentanyl stash, like the kid in the daycare center in New York City. Used illegally. Is it used? Uh, is it a pill? Is it powder? Is it injected? Fentanyl, it comes in pills, obviously. It also is, is mixed in cocaine, methamphetamine, and heroin, whatever's left, left of heroin. But you got to understand, traditional heroin manufacturers, they don't need to make heroin anymore because this stuff is 50 times more potent, and it also is easier to make. It's cheaper to make. I mean, fentanyl pills right now are pennies to make. They're selling on the streets of America for 25 cents in Arizona, you know, 50 cents out in the northwest of America, $2 in Indiana. So the pills are everywhere. The purity is going up. Like I said before, the DEA administrator said that the, the 7 out of 10 of the pills that they've analyzed have a potential lethal dose of fentanyl. So it's, it's crazy the amount of pills that are coming in here. That's because production in Mexico is off the charts, and they're, they're operating with impunity because the corrupt, soft on crime Mexican government officials don't want to deal with them because they're supposedly, according to the study, that a fifth largest business operation in Mexico is the cartels. So they don't want to shut them down because it's making too much money for their economy. Meanwhile, American citizens are dying at record levels. Well, I have another question for you. One of the uh, biggest challenges uh, facing law enforcement in the fight against uh, drug trafficking Number one, they get no support because all these politicians and these, these, these bosses that are in these departments don't stand up for their people. They stand up to the politicians and they watch their butts. That's what they're doing. But number two, encryption is a killer because, again, our Congress has got cobwebs in their eyes and their ears. They don't pay attention to emerging technology. The bad guys are using these apps. They're communicating around the world instantly, and law enforcement even with the court orders, can't get the content of these apps. There was recent news how Meta, okay, which handles Facebook, for example, and Instagram, they're now going to have uh, encryption on default of all messaging. So we are in the dark ages as, as, as the good versus evil every day in America. Evil is winning big time in so many aspects. And the Congress that, that, that we elect, okay, because elections have consequences. So we're electing people that are clueless, and they're only worried about their own bank accounts. So and the, on the current path that we're on, worry about bank accounts, because there's big, there's big things going to happen probably if we continue on this path, on this path. Well, I gather from one of your answers is that the Biden administration is not taking the threat seriously. Right. I mean, that's a given. I'm sorry for not articulating that, Ed. But, yeah, the Biden administration is not paying attention to the day-to-day -day threats. The law enforcement officials that are working hard out there, they know what the threats are. But, unfortunately, a lot of the leaders in law enforcement are leaving government agencies, like at record levels, not just the locals, but the state, the state and the federal are leaving. You know, they, the morale is terrible. You know, suicides on the Border Patrol, for example, are, are high. Because they can't imagine that they took a job to secure America, but this administration is making them do babysitting and migrant processing all day. They don't want to do that. They want to keep Americans safe, and they can't do it if their bosses are telling them to process all these illegals that are coming into the country. Sounds familiar. <laughs> it's what's happening here in New York, sort of. 
Not that the exactly. suicide rate is up, but the cops are disillusioned because they can't do their job because of political interference. And now they don't want to pay the overtime because they got to cut the budgets. Mayor Adams has been down to D.C., according to his last video, like 10 times, basically you know, criticizing the Biden administration for not keeping America safe. And he doesn't have the money to pay for all of this madness. Now, of course, he's a sanctuary city, so you get what you ask for. And remember, the biggest point is elections have consequences. For all these people in New York City that are wealthy people that don't really care, wait, it's just going to get worse. It's getting worse by the day, and it's going to impact, if it hasn't already, all of you. Okay, And hopefully you don't get harmed by these people that are here because they're going to get desperate, too. They're going to be sleeping on the streets in 20-degree weather soon if it's not already that cold now. It's pretty cold today. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you mentioned Adams. Adams referred to himself uh, frequently as the Biden of Brooklyn. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's, uh, he's persona non grata. And also, you know, people should remember that he invited the illegals in. So, you know, you get what you wish for. That's the point, Ed. And the same thing, like you look at uh, Secretary Mayorkas, who looks in the camera during Congress and his hearings and tells American public that he has operational control of the border. He's just lying outright, and it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. All you have to do is watch on social media the day-to-day videos that are being produced by these brave reporters out there, whether in the streets of New York or Chicago or Los Angeles or San Francisco, and then down on the border, you can't believe these trains that are coming in now. I don't know if you've seen these trains, but they have these trains coming northbound, coming to the border with thousands of, uh, of illegals that are, you know, facilitating, you know, their way or moving up towards the border so they can come into the country. Because they want freebies, which are not free to American citizens. We'll all be paying these bills, and we already started paying the bills. Well, it's been reported that the problem uh, is also at the northern border from Canada. Hundred percent. They don't have staffing. Remember, the 9-11 hijackers came in through the northern border, right? Because Canada is very, very liberal. They let just about anybody come into their country. So to get across the border, especially when we're shifting resources to the southern border, it's very, very wide open. So, yes, you're 100 percent right. The northern border is a disaster as well. So it's not just the south. So, well, Derek. Uh, if our current federal leadership is asleep at the wheel, which clearly it is, um, are there things that, lo- that state and local law enforcement can be doing to, 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 you know, to plug the gap? Or is this just something too, too big? Um, well, Joe, I think that's a great question. Yeah, they, they're doing the best they can in many areas. Like, you know, so they, they, like I said, they're seizing record levels of this fentanyl poisoning that's all over the streets. I mean, They can't even really put people in jail anymore because you look at New York with the bail reform laws around the country. You can't keep prisoners in jail. Like there's an example. It's a story we always talk about up in uh, in California. It was a kid, a couple of Mexicans that were were arrested for 150,000 pills of fentanyl. They were released on bail, like some of these crazy antiquated bails. Uh, and, And they're out. They're gone. And this is happening. It happens in New York. There was guys arrested for mass amounts of methamphetamine and special narcotics court had to release them because of the antiquated situation, the antiquated laws and the bail reform in New York State. So, yeah, the law enforcement can't really do much more. They have to rely on the federal government. And unfortunately, under this current administration, we haven't seen any signs that they really uh, care about the national security of our, of our people because keeping the border w- wide open – at when we have the historic level of threats 
as per our you know, government officials like Chris Ray and stuff like that, especially with the war in the Middle East, all these Hamas-inspired and Hezbollah-inspired, you know, lunatics around the world that are coming into the country. We don't even know who's here. That's really not a good feeling when you don't know who's in our country. And that's just going to continue because they're coming in wide, you know, the wide open border. So I don't think the, the local guys could do much more than they're already trying to do, um, besides the fact that they're not supported either. If they make one mistake... They're going to have uh, indictments on them, and then they're going to be their families are going to be ruined. So why would they want to do that anymore? It's insanity. So as we record this, we're, we're it's December 11th. As we're taping this, we're exactly three weeks away from New Year's Day. Um, given all the problems we've been discussing that are uh, that are facing America, what's your forecast for 2024? Do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Do you see any hope? Well, look, I, like I said, I don't like to be pessimistic. Well, hypothetically, if our government would recognize that the Mexican cartels have killed more Americans than any terrorist organization in the history of the country, that we would shut down the border immediately. We'd have a, a press conference at the White House with, with a public health national security emergency. And then we would actually utilize or offer to utilize U.S. military and intel community assets and technology to destroy and decimate the cartel's ability to produce the poison, that would be a very positive step, and it wouldn't be that hard to do. The challenge would be Mexican government's not going to want to deal with U.S. military, right, on their problem. Uh, So that's going to be a challenge, and I think 24 is just going to be the same nonsense, and hopefully, you know, the November election, we can get new leadership in there. And be able to turn things around. It's going to take a while. There's a lot of damage been done. Uh, but, you know, America is a great country. We, you know, there's always going to be hope to turn it around. But with technology going against us, with our country being inundated with unknowns, uh, like Tom Holman says, like, if he gets back in to help President Trump, he's going to run the largest deportation operation ever to get these people out. So we want we, we, we like that plan. I love that. That's what we need to do. That's what we want. We want that plan, you know, underway, and we want it underway now, but it's never going to happen under this administration. They, they designed this process. They want these people here. They want to change the landscape of America. They, they don't care about America like we do on this call. So it's not going to be a positive movement uh, over the next several months, but we can't lose hope. This is a great country. We've got to fight for the country. You know, speaking of deportation, <clears throat> That's going to be an enormous task. If you don't know who you who they are, how are you going to deport uh, deport them? Now, one of the problems that exists is that local law enforcement in many of these woke cities are restricted from uh, getting involved in immigration affairs. I can recall back in my days in the police department when your father was part of the federal system that we were actively involved um, uh, uh, with uh, de- immigration matters because quite a few of the drug deal as we apprehended came from other countries. And when we found out that they were not American citizens, we would notify the uh, <clears throat> Immigration and Naturalization Service, which it was then called, and uh, they would come and take the person away. Um, and then years later, Mayor Koch issued an executive order that the police were no longer to get involved in immigration affairs. And that policy has seems to have taken over the, all police agencies. So if you can't get local law enforcement to um, do this, how, how would you accomplish deportation? Well, that's a great question. You would be able to get many cities in the country on board. 
Uh, and if they don't go on board, you cut the funding. I mean, there's ways of doing it. Uh, obviously, I don't think the cities and the people in these cities want this crime and terror going on in their cities. And the cost is going through the roof. So we have to be more, way more aggressive. And you're right. But it goes back to the thing of, you know, elections have consequences. You know, I had some woman call me a couple of weeks ago. She was upset that her son's, uh, you know, death wasn't being investigated properly. And, of course, it was a, a red state. I'm sorry, a blue state, a blue city, uh, a blue politicians. And they hate cops out there. They they, they have low morale. They don't have, a, you know, a lot of resources. So what do you expect? Police are going to investigate your son's death from fentanyl when they don't even have, uh, you know, people in the department. So people have to wake up and they have to realize what they're voting for. I'm not saying that's going to happen overnight, Ed, but that's the only hope. If the people keep voting for these morons and these people that hate America, then you know what? There's not much more we can do. That's, that's just the way it is. And I don't know, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, but it's very sad to think that, you know, gr- grandkids and kids have this kind of future ahead of them, uh, you know, if we don't turn it around. Derek, uh, on a related note, so President Trump has spoken about um, uh, invoking the Insurrection Act when he gets back in office. Uh, and I, I think one of the for, for one of the mainly for this reason, you know, because of the borders are being uh, infiltrated because of all the drugs that are coming in. And I think he's spoken about. Um, utilizing uh, the military with local law enforcement under those conditions. Do you have any, uh, I don't know if I, am I stating that accurately? Like, what are your thoughts on that? One, I don't know the law behind that. That's not my area of expertise. But I do know that not only President Trump, but many politicians, many others who are running for president on the Republican side have said they want to use U.S. military assets and capabilities to secure the border and also decimate the cartels and hold them accountable for the destruction of this uh, country as far as our communities, our families. So I know and I'm confident that if President Trump got back in, they would use U.S. military in some some capacity uh, and intelligence community assets way more aggressively than we've been using them to go after these these adversaries, because we've never seen such, you know, complex and growing adversaries. And unfortunately, you got to remember, the cartels are running the human, I'm sorry, they're running the largest ever human trafficking and sex trafficking operation as well. So that means billions of dollars are coming in from from that, you know, operation also. So it's not just the historic uh, fentanyl operation. It's also this other stuff that they're doing. Right. And so we are we are losing daily. And we have to use more. Like, so I always say this, Joe, if your house was leaking water from the ceiling, a pipe broke in the middle of the winter and your entire house was flooding, your ceilings were coming down. The first thing you have to do is turn off the main valve. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the world of fentanyl and all of these illegal trafficking, it's all coming from Mexico and the cartels are controlling it all. So we have to shut them down immediately. That's that's what's creating this tsunami. So if we continue to allow them to operate. We're doomed. So we have to go right to the source. We can't sit here. We're not going to we're not going to seize our way out of this fentanyl crisis. It's impossible. Law enforcement is doing the best they can, despite not having the resources, not having the technology. So we have to go after the cartels directly. You want to hear something really sad? Let me tell you something. If this doesn't piss you off, I don't know what will. So I was just down at the largest ever DEA International Drug Enforcement Conference in Jamaica in September. There were 130 countries there to cooperate, collaborate on 
international drug trafficking. Guess what country was in there? Mexico. They completely ignored the conference and failed to show up. But yet we're still giving them all this money because they're our best trading partners. I would have shut their money off that day. As soon as the uh, was reported to me, if I was the president, they'd get no money. Because you can't, like, this is the worst crisis we ever felt in our history when it comes to this poisoning. And it's all coming from over the border. So how is it possible that they could just blow off this conference? So that's the kind of stuff that goes on that the public doesn't realize. It's outrageous. Well, that's why we need someone like you to talk about it. What advice would you give to someone who is considering a career in law enforcement? I would say I had 28 years of the best time in my life. 28 years, I never woke up and said, shit, I have to go to work. I enjoyed it. It's a good mission. I would say this. of your lives, we're going to be fighting these complex adversaries, and we need strong and, and leaders and great American patriots to step up and join the police forces, join the federal agencies. But right now, it's actually a little bit unstable. But like everything, you know, the pendulum is going to swing, hopefully swings back, and hopefully we can get this back on track. And anyone that joins now can be there for 20 years to help, you know, bring this thing back on track. Because without law enforcement, without law and order, we'll have no country. Without a border, we'll have no security will have no country. So we need young, you know, aggressive Americans to step up that want to lead and try to make a difference. One last thing I'm going to tell you that we didn't cover too much, but I want you to notice. One other thing that all Americans have to consider is that as these Chinese nationals are coming into the country at record levels, we're also seeing massive marijuana indoor and outdoor grow operations you know, popping up all over. So we had a recent news, uh, you know, there were 270 locations identified in Maine alone. They're in Oklahoma, in Colorado, in California, Massachusetts, Oregon. So they're popping up all over because they're taking advantage of the weak laws in America on marijuana. And they're also knowing that many states are moving to legalization. Now they're making this very pure THC marijuana. We don't even know what they're putting in this stuff. And people are smoking it, not realizing that it's disrupting their brain activity. And so I'm very concerned personally and talking to many of my colleagues that, you know, the CCP can also be behind potentially, you know, moving this this marijuana grow operation in full speed ahead because they want to, you know, destroy as many brains as they can in America. Uh, Again, this is all part of a strategic plan, I believe, out of the Communist Party to actually destabilize the country under the disguise of drug addiction. Hmm. Wow. Well, anyway. Yeah. Well, look, we know they, uh, what, what is it? They have their 50 year or their 100 year strategic plan you know, that the CCP is, uh, that they're operating from. So it, it makes sense that this is part of it. Right. It's all part of unrestricted warfare. They can't, they're not going to sit here and drop bombs in America right now. They're not going to send, you know, missiles into America right now. But if they can destabilize and weaken our country by killing our citizens and destroying their brains, what better way to do it? And that's why you look at our military. Just look at the death rates of our military from fentanyl. And if you add that on top of all the, you know, the the record level lows of people enlisting in the military because of the wokeness and all this stuff going on in our military, instead of focusing on the adversary, they're focusing on the political BS so that's another thing that these Chinese uh, communist leaders pay attention to. So shame on us. Shame on, you know, voting for this madness. And hopefully it will turn around in 24. Mm. 
Well, 2024 is going to be the uh, that's going to be the, uh, the the big test, right? I mean, that's going to be the possibly the final the final test in the, in America's climb back to uh, to stability. And to think that the United States went to war, World War II, to save China from Japanese. That's the payback. A well, lot, lot of changes since then. A lot of uh, revolutions in China since that time. Uh, we're going to conclude. So how can people contact you and find out more about what you do? Well, again, I, I'm part of Border911.com. Uh, I'm also, you know, out there on social media. I do a lot of national news. So, you know, my Twitter account is Derek Maltz underscore senior. I have a, you know, all the social media accounts under my name. I have a Facebook, a national security public safety group where I try to post every day. It's a private group, but I let people in every day. Uh, we're just continuing to, you know, push as hard as we can. I have a YouTube channel where I post all my videos uh, from my appearances in Congress and on the news. Um, I don't have a website. I don't. I don't do this for money. I do this for giving back to help the American public get the information that they need. I stay very closely connected with law enforcement, not just the DEA, but all the agencies, so I can stay current on the issues and the trends. Because, of course, they can't talk to the media because they're locked down. They don't, they're not allowed to talk to the media. So I get the information, so I stay current. So they could, they could find me all over the social media sites, Ed. Well, if your father was still alive, he would be very proud of you. And as I recall, your father was a very, very good agent. He was a great guy. Uh, He definitely was a little bit of a, you know, a DEA legend, you know, two weeks vacation in 30 years. I don't know if that's that's something that I would recommend, but he was very dedicated to the job. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, appearing uh, on our show. And we hope to uh, have you on another time and keep up the good work. Anyway, guys, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. Happy holidays. Stay safe out there. I would like to thank everyone for listening to another episode of Cop Talk. I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You could also follow us on Twitter at Cop Talk WABC. That's at Cop Talk WABC. Until next time, be safe out there. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.